Hello and welcome to the first episode of What the Future. Through this series, we are going to discuss the future of technology with two opposing views. I'm Himanshu, and with me we have uh, Suhaim here in the studio. Two techies with totally different views on our future overlords, the machines. I'm a dreamer who believes I will be serving cold machine oil to my robot master on a hot summer day very soon in the future. And Suhaim thinks that a machine serving me a decent glass of wine anytime soon is impossible. So for today, I'm going to call the episode that robot resume is better than mine, which basically is we'll be challenging each other with different professions which can or cannot be replaced by technology in the near future. And I'll try to scare you while Suhaim keeps me sane. To set the background here, we are going to talk a lot about AI, which is also known as deep learning or machine learning. But I believe it's just a fancier name for stats and uh, historical data to make decisions, which we as a human do on a daily basis. So, hey, Suhaim. Hey, how's it going, Manchur? Uh, not too bad. Just a little scared of what the future is bringing for us. So, my first challenge to you is, challenge me on this. I believe the future of movies is going to be completely AI. And to back me up, I would like to discuss the deep fakes, which you might have heard of, which basically is a technology where I can capture your facial expressions and your voice and then put your voice and facial expressions on any other thing I want. I can make you speak some politically inappropriate things and it would sound like you are that you are the one doing it. Then uh, Samsung came out with the Neon project in, 2000, uh, in 2019 CES where you can create whole new humans artificially on a screen. So you don't even need real humans to be recording for you. There's this website I came across which is thispersondoesnotexist.com where you can create a whole new face without a person actually existing. So they would play as my actors and uh, all the people on the screen. And to add to that, there's already a movie called Sun Spring, which came out recently, which has a whole script written by AI. So right now, it's uh, more of more or less gibberish. It doesn't have a proper coherence, but it's it's a movie. It's still out there, and I think that's the starting to how movies or a creative profession like movies would be completely taken over by AI. Your thoughts? I think some parts of it may get taken over, but the complete taking over of the creative part is is kind of hard for me to to foresee because I feel like the creative part of writing a script, for example, the one you explained, the ones you said there is an example for, it's, yes, we can probably make the same type of movie over and over again. People, we have a lot of sequels right now, right? So Bad Boys 2 just came out. And that it's exactly the same movie done again, but people still love that. That one doesn't require a lot of creativity. But let's take the the most recent Oscar winner, uh, Parasite. Yeah. Right? So, what is the likelihood a computer is going to come up with that? Because that is very different than anything we've ever seen before, right? True. So, so that that's where the challenge comes. The if you let computers can't come up with new innovative things. Uh, and but I think a human would have to decide if it is good or not. The human's still involved. It's not like a machine just did it all on its own. 
uh, yeah. in, in that example. Maybe there's a way for that to happen, but I think it's only certain types of movies that are predictable. So basically, once in a while, a very smart human would just come in and make a new script, and that goes into the database to feed the AI, and AI learns from it and makes similar movies just for commercial success. Sure. So what I'm saying is maybe not uh, all the jobs, but if right now we need 300 actors and uh, 30 script writers for a movie, that can be brought down to no actor and maybe one script writer and minimal human uh, interference. And that person just feeds the AI or just comes up with random movies once in a while. Yeah, I think that it's it's like a lot of other things in the world. Like, uh, I mean, you could take a more simpler example where the checkouts in, in uh, stores and stuff or McDonald's and other places where those things are automated. Um, but it just means that the number of staff has reduced for that. And the same idea could ha- would happen in, in every industry where a lot of things get automated, but it also gives opportunity for other parts of that industry to get stronger with more, but it, it would require more into, more creativity uh, and that type of creativity will be will stand out. So even an example of the script writing thing, if we just decide on just churning out the same movie over and over, I think at some point us as humans will get bored of it. Uh, I thought that would have already happened with all the sequels, but it keeps happening, so maybe I'm wrong about that. Have but you seen the recent Netflix movies at all? Which ones? All of the <laughs> movies that are produced by Netflix. I've so, seen some of them. Apparently, they're already using an algorithm where Netflix having a lot of data based on what kind of movies people like and watch over and over. The most paused scenes in movies and at what point people usually forward or like move out of the movie altogether. And they're using all those inputs to feed their script writers, which I think right now are non-existent. And it's actually just a machine writing down their scripts because the scripts don't make any sense anymore. <laughs> So, but they are very similar. They are rom-coms. They are just copies of movies that worked earlier. So, in the capitalist world today, I believe, uh, I mean, I understand for a creative and a very good movie, we would still need some people. But to just churn out movies and just churn out entertainment, those things can be totally left on machines when it comes to movies. Yeah, it's possible. But you can also take things, use a different type of approach to this, or example where. Like the music industry back in the, uh, I think in the 90s, was like at, at its height. This is before like uh, MP3s and Napster and all those things existed. Everybody was making a ton of money from mu- from the music industry, where record companies were like coining money from, from all these artists. They would sign up artists all the time. And not actually go forward with it because they had the money to just keep making money. But the movie music industry right now is very different from that. Then. But that wasn't because of AI or anything. Mm-hmm. Just the distribution of music became a lot easier. Things yeah. like Spotify and piracy, all those things happened. Um, it's a similar type of disruption in the industry. Doesn't mean that the industry goes away, in my opinion, uh, because the movie industry will still exist uh, and the actors. To a certain point, will exist because even with the let's get the other point you're making is the actors are also computerized. Yes, that that website you mentioned, I've seen that too. And that every person in there looks like somebody you would recognize, but uh, and that 
What's that site called? Uh, it's called thispersondoesnotexist.com. Yeah, it's it's really scary because everybody yeah. looks like somebody you just know, but it doesn't actually exist. Um, but let's say making all those people act using the deep fakes and things, which most of us have seen some in some way or other. Again, that they're all they're acting like everybody else. That it's with the data from other things. Yes, they look. Uh, they act like a real human from another, uh, something they've learned from. But like good acting in certain emotional uh, requirements of whatever script they're writing, like I think it requires a little bit more skill and good actors will stand up. But if it's for the really simple... The commercial ones. Yeah, the wrong comes up. Yeah, it, it can happen and I think it will. Yeah. disrupt that industry. I agree with you there. No, but how really many times have you thought if it would be really good if there's an actor who looks like Tom Cruise, acts like uh, George Clooney, <laughs> and has a voice like Tom Hanks, put all of them together? That's possible. That's what AI I've, can do. I've never thought of that. Okay. But okay. <laughs> <laughs> no, but, but I'm glad you brought up the music industry in between. So, what do you think about the AI taking over the music industry altogether? Because that's something creative. And from what I know, there's a company called Iowa.ai where you can create, compose whole soundtracks uh, with artificial intelligence. So it basically uses the data from, his, again, the historical data from what people liked, what kind of notes, uh, like all the musics that were the chart busters that would take patterns in them and uh, from different ages it can create whole music of its own and right now if you are making a new game or if you need a background score for a movie you really don't need to hire a musician you can just go to that website and buy the license they can provide you all different kinds of music created by AI for that cost so I think music industry is something where we might see major impact of AI taking over I think you're already kind of seeing that uh, like auto-tune exists and also back in the days of talking about the 90s there was so much pop music coming out that all kind of sounded the same um, and but eventually we got bored of it and music changed right so that's and, where the AI would just go back for the one decade and bring the music back from that decade till the time it can keep making money and there would of course be a couple of musicians to feed new data to it Plus, I think music, uh, AI can evolve enough to experiment with different genres and like create something new all of a sudden with uh, what people might like and what the brain functioning is. So I think that's a music, music industry can be disrupted. It's already disrupted with AI. Yeah, it has been, but that, like, let's take Spotify, which mm -hmm. I think a lot of people use, I do. So Spotify recommends music to me all the time. And in most, for the most part, it actually doesn't work. And it does recommend music that I do like. But every now and then, I was like, I want to listen to something completely different. And then I find uh, a different playlist uh, of some sort that I used to listen to. Uh, but let's think of it this a different way. Let's say AI does take over the music industry uh, and is always providing you music. What do you think uh, is going to be the after effects of that? You, It's like the machine is teaching you what kind of music you like instead of you trying to discover it on your own. Uh, because the music I liked 20 years ago and the music I like right now is very different. It's, bit, it's because uh, my musical tastes have evolved. Uh, friends of mine always recommend music to me and I, I say, oh, this is neat. 
Um, and they're very different from what I used to listen to. But now you get AI to decide that for you. You you may not be getting that whole cultural feedback. I, I think a lot of what you like in music is what you hear a lot. So there are a lot of songs which I didn't like at first, but because the radio would keep on playing it over and over again, I started liking it. So it's a real possibility where like computer lets you know what you are supposed to like and just plays it over and over or like a similar thing over and over and you just end up liking it. It's, it would be a very cheap alternative to say uh, a live rock band having to create music or people getting together who have to be fed, who have to be paid salaries to create music. And with capitalism, I don't think so anybody wants to pay money. <laughs> Maybe, but uh, actually back in the music industry, the, most musicians, from what I understand, make money from going doing live acts. Mm-hmm. Um, so that has to still be there. You can't, you're not going to go watch a computer uh, like playing music for you, unless you're talking about these fake humans and everything. I else. was about to come on that. <laughs> like Samsung Neon, I think that beats it. You can design your own music, uh, like the person you want to see on stage. Just imagine him and he's there. Oh, why not? Like, for sure, I would watch the first one if that happens <laughs> because that sounds cool. Yeah. But I don't know if I would keep watching that. True. Because the ultimately, I don't know. Maybe it will happen, but those musicians have personality and all these other things. I don't want them to be the same thing over and over. And maybe it's not the same thing because it can allow them to experiment and do all kinds of crazy things. Yeah. But the idea of a computer, I, there's lots of sh- musicians I know are use a lot of uh, FX and, pirates, and all kinds of effects, right? Mm-hmm. Pyrotechnics and other things. So that does play into it. Um, yeah. Let's wait for humanoids to play someone on stage and <laughs> have their fans of their own. Well, holograms do exist and that did right. happen. Yeah. So, maybe. Uh, moving on from another popular profession that people think uh, cannot be modified, all the medical related people. So I'll put some facts first before you... Uh, ruined my fun. <laughs> uh, we have uh, radiologists who are supposed to basically look at your reports and uh, determine if you are if you have a specific disease. Say so you look at X-rays and determine if you have pneumonia or not. There was a recent experiment at Stanford where machines looking at X-rays were able to predict pneumonia by the accuracy of eighty-one percent, whereas doctors or the radiologists doing the same job had an accuracy of 79%. I mean, with that information in mind, I would rather have a machine diagnose me than a human. Other than that, uh, you must have heard of IBM Watson, right? The supercomputer. So if you go to uh, IBM Watson for a cancer diagnosis, within seven seconds, it can refer 3,500 textbooks and 4,000 other researchers from all over the world to figure out that if you have cancer or if you're at a risk of cancer or not. Not just that, it can refer to similar cases and let you know the possible reason for your cancer, like a a possible genetic mutation or anything, along with the possible cure with the success rate from around the world and which cure might work for you specifically. And if I'm going to an oncologist right now, he might not have the latest information on what's going around in the world, but Watson would. So again, I mean, People do say that they are not comfortable with uh, Robert as their doctor because they have experience with the online uh, 
medical recommendations, which is like always end up you end up dying, <laughs> like even if you have a cuff. Yeah. But I think that's some place. Uh, me personally, would prefer a machine doing this stuff for me than uh, a real human. So for this one, though, I, I kind of agree that because of the amount of data uh, to sift through using Watson or uh, or whatever computerized way, it definitely makes sense. Um, especially with hard diagnosis, um, but I do think of it as a as a helper, not a replacement. Uh, so you do get the initial diagnosis via automated means, and then uh, the human actually makes a decision. And I I do think that will make most patients more comfortable. Mm-hmm. Um, but making that initial diagnosis by going through that vast sets of data would help out the the doctor or radiologist or whoever. And then uh, it's it's like a secondary check, but like any other industry that we've mentioned here today, is um, it reduces the amount of labor, right? Which so, means it reduces the amount of uh, humans needed. Yeah, uh, but it increases the accuracy uh, because uh, because actually the human actually has to spend lesser amount of time to make sure that whatever is happening is accurate mm-hmm. and correct, and this ability to kind of make that better too. Um, but the medical field is not something I, I know a lot about. Um, but me personally, I would prefer. Data and then also, the, but then double check the quality of that and make sure it's accurate. Um, the only thing I worry about is that over-reliance on something like that mm-hmm. is, is a bit dangerous uh, because then we as humans need to also, we want our doctors uh, to be knowledgeable enough about these things and not just rely on computers all the time. Because but that, I think that's already happening. Like doctors do rely on technology a lot and I don't think so they're uh, like still skilled enough or like they don't need to be. That's a repetitive process anyhow. Yeah. But I mean, it would definitely bring down the number of doctors from 100 to say one. And with the Canada already facing shortage of doctors, yeah. I think uh, if we start with the robotic doctors and soon people figure out they are actually cheaper and better than a real doctor, then why not just stick with one doctor who travels around Canada and uh, feeds the AI and helps the patient? I don't think you meant one doctor for all of Canada. Uh, I don't know. You <laughs> can just be on one computer somewhere. So surgeries... Uh, I was watching a documentary on how one doctor sitting at a remote location can actually perform a surgery on uh, somebody sitting at a totally different location by just moving the machines the way he wants to. So those things can be coded into the machines. Once they have been doing, say, a lot of hernia surgeries and the machines now know what to look for and what exact steps to perform, I think machines can be trained enough to start handling the basic uh, operations in the next decade or so. Yeah, it's just, it, I personally feel like the same argument over and yeah. over, but it's the same argument is that the, the simple stuff, the more, re- well, maybe not simple, the repetitive things right. are going to get automated. Not just the repetitive, I think like with the advent of AI or like the machine learning, yeah. when we feed in the historical data and the, like all the statistics from the past, it can take its own decisions and evolve with time. Like every new thing, every mistake it makes, it actually learns from it, where a human does not ever learn from its own mistake. Like so, it's, so it's a medical uh, 
industry here to talk yeah. about. So with the medical field, people die, right? That's right. just a fact. So in your opinion, if a machine makes a decision and the human dies, what do you think will happen next? Uh, right now, hum- like humans make a decision and more humans die. Yeah. So that would be something that comes down to the governments, I believe, because... If you if you are at least increasing the possibility or like the diagnosis uh, correct diagnosis percentage even by two percent by using machines, that's still better than a human diagnosing me. It is, but I'm curious about a like a, a private company that is providing the the computers right. or the machines for it, and let's say the computer makes an incorrect decision that a human may not have mm-hmm. if they looked at all that data. So. Would the company get sued? I assume so. Yeah, I think the company should buy good insurance. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so another very easy job which I think can be taken over is the HR and the IT service desks. Because right now, if you like, everyone at their companies have knowledge database for things like resetting a password or uh, say they need to configure their Outlook or unlock an account or whatnot. So most of the companies have a knowledge database, but then people want people don't want to go through the database. They just want to call up someone who would help. And if that call has all this information and a human-like interface, I think we don't need HRs and IT service desk people pretty soon. And there's actually a company uh, named as DigitalWorkforce.ai by Amelia. And Amelia is the person who actually works for you. And they have digital employees for hire already. And they send you pre-trained AIs to replace your current workers, which will keep on learning alongside in your company or your company's specific needs every time you put up a request. So whenever you put up a request, the uh, AI bot learns something new from that, unlike the humans who never learn from whatever the person has been asking. So what do you think about those kind of roles getting moved out? So those ones are already like there's um, already like this uh, chatbots that do right. that kind of thing. So that one's not surprising, but depends on what uh, kind of HR you're talking about, right? Like HR that's for recruiting, for example, uh, it falls under the HR category. Yeah. Yes. So recruiters, they can like the bots can probably find the right candidate, but they do have to interact with a real person to get them to potentially apply. So as long as the, I guess the, the bots can act like a real human and yeah. maybe fool that human, but it, it has to be able to do that. And also it has to be able to read emotion and understand. Which an HR, uh, which a bot can do. Potentially. So, uh, I think there's already something, I am not very sure of that, but a machine that can sense your emotion and react accordingly. I think I saw a robot at CES which changes color according to your mood. Yeah. So an HR who is actually better at reading your emotions and reading your body language and your confidence would be better than a normal HR. Potentially. I have my doubts on that part okay. because I'm curious how well that works uh, because I see the CES demo, and not that I've seen it, but my assumption is that they make really pronounced facial expressions to make sure that the bot reacts. Uh, that is under like I would always call it uh, call it under laboratory conditions. Yeah, um, but I'm I'm sure they'll get better with the more more data it gets, the more the better it gets. Yeah, 
But I have my doubts on that working with emotions because human emotions are a very hard thing because I don't think you can always tell if somebody's upset or sad or, or like or angry just based on emotion unless it's like wired into you somehow and can mm-hmm. measure all kinds of all of your physiological which responses. is impossible like it's possible but do you when you're interviewing you, you can have like probes connecting all over you and if you want a job you are okay with getting the probes connected and yeah i mean an hr who can actually judge how confident you are with your answer or if you're lying it's so, basically putting up a lie detector on you unethical but possible sure but lie detectors have existed for a long time Something like that, but yeah. it, it would sense uh, your heartbeat. It, the HR would know how confident or comfortable you are if you're lying about your old job. That's the kind of HR I would want for my company. Well, not what I would want. <laughs> <laughs> so, because lie detectors have existed, so you can use that example. Right. Which job have, have you ever heard of a job interview where a lie detector is part of it? Because it's unethical right now. Yes. You have to have permissions even to use it on criminals, but with the evolution of these uh, big companies who just take away all the ethics of out of equation when it comes to making money they just have to bribe the government to make that legal and that would be re- that would be coming into market really soon if it makes monetary sense yeah i'm not sure about that because i don't think any of those companies <laughs> are going to do that uh it that way um, yeah, that's why i call you a non believer right? <laughs> <laughs> I believe in the machine overlords. You don't. <laughs> Anyhow, moving on. Cooking. What do you think about the whole profession as a chef being taken over by machines? Again, I'll back myself with some facts. Modi is a company that's making robotic kitchens already, and Spice, which is a restaurant in Boston, already employs robot chefs rather than actual people. If you go to Vegas, you can. get a drink at the tipsy robot which is basically a robotic uh, bartender and uh, what i thought of if i take it one step further and uh, put the uh, samsung's uh, neon and the google's bot with human interaction capabilities you can go to a bar choose your own bartender from a list of possible avatars in uh, samsung uh, neon and he would have a normal conversation with you like a bartender and the machine basically serves you your drink and when it comes to cooks those cooks can use historically popular dishes at different times of the day with the different weather conditions and maybe make up something new with ingredients that has been provided to it make a whole new flavor profile because they have better sensors than a human tongue or a chef's tongue they can know how sour that specific tomato is and how much it should go So I think they would make better chefs than uh, what any human can do. They could potentially make it because I mean, fast food restaurants have, have most things automated already because um, they have to be really fast. But the food tastes exactly the same every time. They do have specials and stuff, but they're not really that different from anything else that they've done historically usually. Um, but they they're also using that data even now. Um, in terms of actual cooking yes like machines are used to make it better but i do think you need the human creativity to come up with recipes that are a bit different like every year there is some type of trend uh that comes up that nobody has done before um and yes machines can potentially do that but if like i can take myself as an example when i first came to canada there were desserts that i got here or chocolate 
that was with peanut butter. I always thought, I, at that time, I hated it because to me, peanut butter was not something you mix with chocolate. Um, but now I love it because my palate has changed over the years and I really like that flavor. Um, but if, if this machine it, like knows at that time that uh, 20 years ago when I was there that I don't like this, and it's never going to give me this and doesn't change my, my palate, I just keep, keep getting the same thing that I really, really enjoy doesn't let me evolve. That's uh, a valid point. Yeah, so I, I don't like that part of it. Uh, and you would end up with everybody liking the same thing forever. Whereas you would want uh, humans to try different things and change their viewpoints on even, let's say, it's something as simple as food and personal as food. Mm-hmm. Which is good for a capitalist economy. If yeah. like everybody just likes the same food, you make it in bulk and ship it to their home. Sure, but maybe I don't like a capitalistic economy. <laughs> yeah, no, so I just read this concept a long time back. I don't think so. It's like taking shape anytime soon where uh, Amazon would have a huge uh, center in like every city. They would cater dishes from the top chefs in every different cuisine. And uh, once they have the recipes from them, they will be cooked in a robotic kitchen in a predefined manner. So when you are leaving your work, you just order something on Amazon to be like freshly cooked and served to you. And by the time you are home, a drone delivers your food at your doorstep, possibly cheaper than what you can cook at home because they can buy bulk ingredients. They have like chef catered recipes. They don't have to follow and they, they would be fast. And with drones delivery, that would be cheap. So I think if like Amazon actually goes and pursues uh, that possibility, you would have chef-catered food every day, made to perfection, delivered at your doorstep in a healthy and fresh way. So that would kill at least 90% of the restaurants in the uh, market because you can order Indian, you can order Mexican, you can order like Middle Eastern food uh, any day you want and freshly cooked by the top chefs. Okay. I mean, it is a, that is a possibility. It's I don't think it's happening in the next 10 years. I wish it does. <laughs> maybe in the next 40 years. But uh, part of the reason I like going to restaurants is also the social aspect okay. um, of going to a restaurant and eating food with somebody else, uh, my wife or friends or whoever, because that is a very human thing to do, to socialize over food. Um, so I, if it's delivering it to my house, yeah, I can do that too. And can I, everybody can eat at home, I guess. But... To me, that getting out and some going somewhere else to eat is a very social experience, and I would still want that. I think because both of us are not the actual millennials, but what the millennials today want is no social experience. They don't want to talk to another person. They don't even want to go to a checkout counter where they have to say hi, and uh, they get scared be having to order at a restaurant. So for them. And where the world is moving towards, they would just want to sit in a seclusion and have a, a bot talking to them who would just listen and not speak or not have their own thoughts. So, well, some of it is a bit of a stereotype, but... Uh, okay. Yeah, so, I actually don't like talking to a lot of people too at certain times, but go to a restaurant, I don't count that way. But I, I actually like the self-checkout counters for that reason you said. Right, so... But it depends on my day and how I am sometimes I'm listening to a a podcast on my headphones and I don't want to take my headphones off to talk to the person 
Um, and I can just do all this automatically and go continue through my day. Uh, but in certain cases, I do want to talk to the person. What if Alexa and Siri and Google Assistant just evolves enough to have a meaningful conversation with you and just agree with you, which is uh, like the rare in an actual human companion and possibly pisses you off. So <laughs> like you say the world is uh, not wrong and uh, like, yeah, of course, who told you the world is wrong? Mm-hmm. So that kind of a conversation would be happy. I actually do think that it does solve some uh, problems uh, with the, that conversation thing. Especially, there, there are people that are isolated for various reasons. Uh, sometimes they're older people and they are stuck at home. Uh, I do think it solves uh, a real need. And because not everybody can always be there to socialize with them. So for that reason, yes, I do think it's a good thing. Um, but for overall, just replacement of the human interaction uh, is not. Uh, I don't think it's it's good for us as a society to completely let computers take that over. Um, but that's just a personal opinion. Oh, well, a lot of things are not good for the society, which we do. Like cocaine at some time was sold as a drug, which is supposed to be good for the society. <laughs> Cigarettes at some time in US was sold as something that's good for the society. Yeah. Turns out it's not. So I don't think so. These companies actually want good for the society. They just want to sell what they can. Yeah, no, it's up to us <laughs> as the consumers to decide yeah. too. So. How smart are the consumers? They are not. <laughs> and you, know, you brought up a very good point of uh, taking care of the elderly. That is something a lot of people are not ready to believe can be taken over at all. I believe they have not seen the movie Big Hero 6. So if you, I mean, if any one of you have actually seen the Baymax from Big Hero 6, the cuddly automated nurse kind of a robot who can heal, who can diagnose, who can have a meaningful conversation with you. I would prefer that kind of a nurse for me in the older days than someone who won't handle my mood swings. So, and I think we already have something like a, Mabu from a company called Catalia Healthcare, which which is a cuddly looking robot, can talk to you, can call up an ambulance if uh, it it notices that some things are off. So I think elderly care is uh, something that can be take, totally taken over by bots, and we already are moving towards somewhere people, like machines can have a meaningful conversation with you. So why not? Well, like elderly care is a huge thing countries are facing and Japan who's on the forefront of technology anyhow they have the biggest elderly problem so yeah no that's about the, like I said the, that does make sense yeah. to have some of that automated um, but I mean I'm not in that position to understand what the elderly would need um, just directly because my parents don't need that or like or I don't as of now anyways but I wonder if I would want to still have like a real human interaction I, I assume so because I need that now I, I know my parents would want that uh, later on too so even if this robot uh, does solve the immediate, immediate problem of the daily interaction uh, which someone else cannot do I do think that they would still want a real human to interact with them in a regular cadence have you ever had to handle a mood swing at your home from anyone? I, I mean, I have kids, so... All right. So, yeah. I mean, 
as a human if i'm working for an elderly and he's rash to me someday because he's in a bad mood so that impacts how i would interact with him or her in the future possibly so i think robots can do a really good job there and a lot of people question things like human touch some i actually looked around there's nothing to replace human touch right now but i don't understand why it's basically a specific temperature a specific texture and a specific pressure i think we can make something like that that sort just have a specific kind of heat map and pressure and texture as skin and would just cuddle you why not that's like that's the easiest biomechanical machine that can be made maybe but it, i thought that actually that is what i'm definitely not a believer in because i i think we're far away from that you know what which uh, industry would be the first to bring that if any i don't believe that would be the elder elderly care i think that would be the adult entertainment market yeah well that's not surprising yeah which i think is pretty close to like human like skin or human like warmth so a lot of things evolve out of uh, what the adult industry wants if you know like the vhs were yeah. not supposed to be the popular media type it just became popular because the adult entertainment industry preferred that so yeah a lot of things just happen because the capitalist world wants it that way so education is something i believe again you would be with me on that because china has already started experimenting with ai based educators and uh, i know a lot of education is now moving online versus in class medium because it's cheaper and you can learn at your own pace so when there's an online video how much do you care if there's an actual person on the other side versus a bot who's just understanding if what's your level of understanding what's your level of competence in a specific topic and then molds the teaching medium accordingly yeah that that one like you predicted yeah a kind of video there is it it does make sense um to have that kind of uh, interaction where you, it does kind of test the student in a very smart way and in a systemized way the systematic way which Yes, our, our um, education industry does do that up to a point, but sometimes emotions get in the way and uh, interact. Like the students, the students' reactions get in the way, and you're not sure. Uh, whereas the bots would be able to keep track of all that really quickly with, yeah. with a lot of data points. So that part's true. And uh, we're already short on teachers. From what I know, America has already been struggling with getting primary school teachers. and why not just replace them all together well some parts of it i wouldn't again like everything else mm-hmm. the complete replacement is what i would warn against because or the student also are all humans and every human is different in some way and the way they learn and understanding their problems um so i would also consider that as a helper yeah. um yeah the other funny story i just read today was uh in in China there was an online app for uh for learning and the students didn't want that so they all rated their app at a very low rating to kick it out of the app store so i uh, despite i would were i would still worry about these students outsmarting the robots uh because ultimately they are machines yeah, see we used to outsmart our teachers all the time by pretending to be sick at least a robot can just take my uh, diagnosis and tell me i'm not and force me to sit down there for a lesson well if you think that the 
students are not going to automate computers. I, I don't think that's... Yeah, we're considering students would be the programmer of the futures, like who would create those machines. I'm pretty confident they would out. If anyone would outsmart the machines, that would be the kids. Uh, drivers, of course, I don't think so. You are even going to challenge me on that, like all the truck drivers and cab drivers. That's definitely getting automated and that's it's, already there. Yep. Yeah, yeah. No, I, and I do think it'd be safer. Yeah. Uh, with the automated drivers. Um, yeah. No, definitely. And I, if there were, I, maybe it's because I personally, I do drive, but uh, I'm okay with not driving. Right. Yeah. Anybody? Uh, no, not anybody. No, no, a, lot a lot of people, people love their cars. But yeah, so uh, what I've read around that is there are a lot of morality issues around yeah. automating the cars completely. Say, if a company claims that in case of accident, the machine would protect the pedestrian over the uh, inhabitant of the car, I won't be comfortable buying that car and the company won't make it. And if the company says that it would give the priority to the person inside the car over a pedestrian in case of accident, I don't think so the city is going to allow the car to run because it's a safety concern. So I think those kind of morality issues still needs to be ironed out before we see this. Yeah, it's a hard problem to solve. I'm sure there are a lot of experts kind of debating this and yeah. decide which way to go with these things. Um, and also, actually, the, I do think it will happen. I, I remember having this conversation a few years ago and it was, again, with a bunch of people working in the technology industry. And most people in that group said that it would happen where we would have automated cars uh, within at that. It was I think that conversation was a, a more than six, it was about six years ago, and they all said that it would happen within five years. We don't have automated cars right now. We are close. We are close, <laughs> uh, but we don't have it. I don't believe anywhere in Canada uh, legally the governments don't allow that. Uh, maybe some I don't know if the, in certain cases maybe, but not anywhere in. Uh, in the U.S., there are some places mm -hmm. they allow it because the governments have to re regulate it and allow it first. Yeah. Uh, a couple of counties have permitted Uber to test drive their cars. Yeah. So I think that might be something out very soon. Another thing which again comes from China, police force. Yeah. So with the kind of data China now has on people with the biometrics uh, coming into play from the government side, I think... Uh, Law enforcement is something I believe can be automated and uh, that would remove the human errors from like overuse of force or like underuse of force in cases a criminal actually runs away or escapes you. So that's some place I truly believe AI can take over and we already have all the setup that's needed to make that switch. What do you think? So here, I, technology wise, I'm not that. Uh, like I'm not that surprised by that. I think that will happen, but I do worry about using data points because uh, they've already done that for various things, and it ended up with some incorrect usage of this, like morally incorrect things, like profiling, which happens now uh, at various places. Yeah. Um, now you remove the human part of this judgment, and you end up with machines making these decisions and so maybe what if it's incorrect and will target a certain subset of our population true that's possible so i believe like if the historical data being fed is fed by a person who has an inherent bias towards a specific race might actually like 
make the machine always be biased towards someone. And if you look at historical data, say a specific community at a specific place, which was poor in a specific age, and of course there would have been more criminal activities coming from them. And if the machine just uses that data, it might have an inbuilt bias towards that community. So yeah, so yeah. I don't I don't like it for that reason. Yeah, uh, but if it's certain things like uh, security at a certain event. Uh, making sure checking IDs and things like that. Uh, that we can do right now because yeah. we have government issues IDs. Uh, it has ID for this. <clears throat> I don't know if some of them could have RFID tags or whatever right. other type of tags in it um, and just scan through that. And, and the machines, your face. Exactly. Yeah. The facial recognition or whatever else yeah. and let the people in uh, correctly mm-hmm. instead of uh, decide, getting humans to do that part because I don't think humans can look at all those data points in, in high-pressure situation True. very quickly, uh, whereas machines can do that very, very quickly. The one thing I know they do at the airport is there are some people who are just looking at your ex- reactions and expressions just normally if you look like super tensed or something, they might pull you off for a random checking. So I think you can train a computer pretty well to look for those data points in human beings. Right? Yeah, that, that is actually... Uh, I won't be surprised it's happening right now. It might be. Yeah, I'm just not aware of it. Yeah, so, yeah, I mean, I would still believe that the future is owned by the machines and that's not very far off. I would see that in my own generation. But I also believe there have been naysayers in every generation. When television came out, the radio guys were very confident that people don't want to sit in front of a dumb box and just look at it throughout the day so television is never going to work but who doesn't have a television right now and self-checkouts people hated it in the starting they had all the questions about why am i doing the job of a cashier without actually getting paid but because for walmart it was cheaper right i uh, when i go to the local walmart there's just two manual checkout counter versus say 30 automatic present people are now okay with it you just force people to do something they just get okay with it. So all the questions about if people accept it or not, I think big companies can just shove it down your throat to like accept it and make that your way of it. Yeah, it's also about cost to it, cost and time. Yeah. So both are maybe they're interchangeable. So yeah, self-checkout counters I'm not that surprised by. But funnily enough, even today I saw somebody posting on Facebook saying that they don't use self-checkout counters because they don't want it. They don't work for that company. Uh, so yeah, there would be naysayers yeah. every in every generation. Every time you would think that's not going to happen and that's not going to happen to me, but it might. It would. So yeah, yeah, it was a great discussion. Uh, so him, I really, I still don't uh, believe you. <laughs> I still uh, remain a dreamer, but uh, I accept a lot of your points. Yes, same here. Maybe I get more sane and be less worried about losing my job anytime soon. Anyhow, I do work in technology, so I think I might end up gaining a job to take jobs away from other people. But anyhow, a nice discussion. And for the listeners, do write me back at whatthefuture at hotmail.com. It's whatthefuture at hotmail.com. I will look forward for your feedback and your comments. Thank you. Thanks.